The following program is filled with life-sustaining information for being a good human being. It's also full of shaming for bad humans. Sprinkle in an abundance of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and the rest of the Lucky Charms alphabet. And you have the Gay BC Happy Hour. Hosted by a couple of fabulous unicorns who just can't help themselves from farting glitter wherever they go. Ladies and gentlemen, and those with pronouns I'm still learning about, here are your bi, coastal friends, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Hello, hello. Hey there. And welcome to the happy hour. Hope you are having a wonderful uh, day and evening so far. And week. And uh, yeah. I'm here with uh, Johnny Mack, who is in Palm Springs. I am in upstate New York, and we have a special guest tonight. We do, who joins uh, us in, in studio uh, via video conference. Uh, we Yay. welcome Todd Bianco, who is uh, somebody who is familiar to past audiences of mine uh, and his own audience uh, in the days of when we were doing satellite <laughs> radio and, and uh, previous local um, Palm Springs-based uh, internet radio uh, station here. Uh, he was our automobile expert and hosted a program, uh, well, most recently, that we uh, called All Revved Up. And so I thought it would be great to bring him in here because I know that we have many people in our audience, Richie, who love cars, love to talk about cars, love to look at cars, like to fawn over them, like to drive them, and ooh and ah around them. And if there's anybody I know who Mm -hmm. is a fine perpetrator of all of the above, it is Todd Bianco who joins us tonight from his uh, enclave in West Hollywood, California. Yes, it's the enclave that's preparing for Halloween again. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) been nice to see Richie and John. Uh, Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us tonight, Todd. And um, we're also going to use this occasion to let you know that GBC is actually going to be introducing its second show uh, following, of course, the GBC Happy Hour that we launched a few months ago. Um, And that is going to be a new program called Torque. And the idea behind this is we're going to have a conversation on a regular weekly basis about uh, the automobile and everybody's love of cars. So um, it's not just going to be hosted by Todd. It's going to be co-hosted by none other than the Happy Hour's very own Richie Roy. That's right. I'm pretty jazzed about it um, because, yeah, I mean, I, I've noticed, you know, in in discussions, um, you know, on Twitter spaces and stuff um, with folks, when cars come up, people's ears perk up. People have really strong opinions about cars, especially, um, I mean, not only just sort of legacy thoughts about cars that they enjoy, but especially when it comes to the transition to electric vehicles, there are a lot of extremely strong opinions on both sides of the fence. And so I think it's a topic, you know, as, as, you know, sort of a mainly, um, you know, for an American audience, especially, um, you know, cars are something that are part of our daily lives, um, whether we like it or not as commuters, as people who, you know, enjoy the sort of the look of them enjoy being in them maybe don't enjoy sitting in traffic in them but um yeah it's it's really part of our daily lives and so um yeah i think it's worth talking about and you know when you start 
paying more attention to it, there's really a lot of interesting stuff. And I think in some ways it also becomes a, a sort of a, a, a microcosm of kind of the American experience. You know, when you look at things like labor, you know, we heard in the little news intro, you know, the UAW, um, you know, sort of the, the creation of cars is itself kind of a whole thing. These companies are gigantic. Um, and everything from, you know, Twitter slash X's Elon Musk, you know, at Tesla to these massive companies like Ford and General Motors and Stellantis, you know, um, we're, you know, we're, we're living in, in a car world. So it makes kind of perfect sense to talk about it. We, we are. It's, it's probably the largest um, sector. I know it is in Germany, you know, that without cars in Germany, that, that you know, if you take that out of it. It's like the, the, you know, the country you know, falls in half as far as their <laughs> GDP. Uh, just, just the size of uh, Volkswagen alone, uh, they can't let it fail. It's just that big. Um, the same thing with uh, you know, Daimler and, and BMW and uh, uh, Porsche, which is now sort of a separate publicly traded company, but still sort of controlled by Volkswagen and the, the Porsche family and the Piac family that are you know, the scions of, uh, you know, fairy Porsche. So, I mean, all these things are, are out there and it's a, uh, it's a pretty big deal is where it's going. And, um, you know, they're all trying very hard to emulate Tesla essentially, because they're afraid that Tesla is going to eat their lunch. And if they don't shape up, you know, the Chinese are already starting to invade Europe. They haven't started here yet in the United States, but, do you these think that they're going to have a hard EV. time doing that, Todd, with yeah. all of the sentiment that is going on right now, both uh, at our um, legislative level as well as just the attitude of American people in general? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is that there's really bad FUD, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's being spread out there about what EVs mean and what it what it can do to the economy. But, you know, part of the Inflation Reduction Act that uh, uh, the Democrats pushed through with, uh, I think, maybe two or three votes from the Republicans is that it's bringing manufacturing back. And it's a very important thing because uh, we don't want the Chinese company, you know, the chi China itself, you know, China Inc., the, the business of China to be able to control all the aspects of things like the batteries, which are extremely important for uh, not just cars, but for stationary storage, for energy. Um, and right now, China has like sort of this, this monopoly on the you know, rare earth metals and, and uh, various other things that we actually have here or that are in other parts of the world, but we haven't developed. And the fact that you know we're pushing to have these things developed here and to manufacture here is a you know big deal uh, to have all these new EV plants that are coming up uh, and battery plants. You know all these things are that without the investment from the IRA and without the you know the tantalizing tax credits that are available to the companies as well as tax credits for buyers. Uh, you know, it, 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 it really is pushing this along. The transition is going to happen one way or another just simply because of economics. The reality is, is that uh, ICE cars are now uh, sort of at peak. We're not going to get too much more torque, too much more 
uh, horsepower out of an internal combustion engine with a supercharger or a turbocharger and with direct injection and all the other technologies that are out there. Uh, so we're at peak ice, but batteries are battery EVs are now nearly at parity as far as cost. The average cost of a car now in the United States is forty nine thousand dollars. Ouch. That that's the average purchase price now. And part of the reason is is because Americans have an absolute love affair with pickup trucks. Big, huge trucks and big huge SUVs. And the prices of those are extremely high. I mean most of these cars and most of these uh, trucks now are pushing easily 60 to 100,000 dollars each you know, for a it, truck. It, it's funny you bring that up because we recently had some guests visiting here in the United States from Madrid, Spain. And they took notice while they were here in the Coachella Valley <laughs> of all the trucks around here uh, oh, yeah. and because they're a real anomaly uh, in in Europe. And we're like, why do people need these? And they're too, they're too big for Europe, frankly. Yeah. I mean, most of the, you can't park you know, a Ford F-150 or Ford F-250 in a normal parking space, especially if it has one of the long beds on it, Yeah, not not a five foot, seven inch or six foot bed. It's got this gigantic, you know, six or seven or eight foot bed, you know, and gigantic wheels. I mean, it can't. I have to be I, honest you know, with you. I, I, you know, I want to have a, I want to have a device that allows me to vaporize them when they're in front of me on the road. Could you so, vaporize the one that hit me last Friday? Oh, no. So, yeah. so Stopping traffic thing. on I-10, a Toyota Tacoma just ran into me. What the hell? Of course they so, weren't insured. Now, we wouldn't want to have insurance now. No. What were you going to say, no. Richie? What I was going to say is, is, is I sort of, I get, here's the thing, is, is I drive an SUV, and I have to say, as, as a short person. of Americans do. Yeah. As a short person... <laughs> I have to say, I and I'm so used to driving in this, in this in your jacked up car. Um, I'm used to the visibility, the angle of visibility from it. Mm-hmm. I was a passenger recently in an, in a uh, in a in a, a sedan, a low to the ground. Actually, it was a Tesla. It was the first time I had risen in a Tesla. It was a I was in a, a lift, and I felt so weird. I I felt like I couldn't <laughs> see anything. Like I like you know just looking out the windows and stuff, it, it felt very odd to me having had the vantage point of being up at the SUV level. That like I think it's actually kind of not that like once you go high you can't go back, but it it is hard to actually make that adjustment from seeing the entire road and kind of the entire vantage to being kind of down low and having all these higher things above you that you can't see around. You do know that the Tesla Model Y is now going to be the best-selling car in the world this year. Wow. It's going, to, it's going to be the Camry, the Corolla, everything. It will be the best-selling car in the world. And that's the SUV version. Mm, that's the one that looks like the uh, ugly whale. The beluga. You know, it, it's, it depends on how you look at things. I mean, people think the Cybertruck is ugly, but yeah, it's, it know, is. it's got you know, two million <laughs> reservations. Well, now I, when they, when they announce it, my 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 understanding is is that that when they announce the Cybertruck will be announced at the end of November. I mean, it's going to have a delivery event, and they're all over the country right now. They're sort of like, you know, RC release candidates all over the country, yeah. uh, and uh, they're going to start at about probably ninety five thousand. Oh, and that so, not, but that but that will be for the tri motor tri motor 
uh, performance version, and then it will go down from there. But they'll probably start sales of that, you know, the high level version first, just because it's going to take them a while to to to, uh, to, uh, to scale the product. Richie, nothing's been made like this ever before. You know, it's it and it's interesting because um, you know I've read stories about sort of issues with tolerances on the Cybertruck and like, you know, sort of, you know, gaps and, and sort of just literally production issues. But the the main thing that sort of struck me is, um, you know, it looks it looks cool, but having if you've owned a stainless steel refrigerator before, you kind of know that there's sort of an issue there because um, it's really hard to keep a stainless steel fridge looking good. Not the you know? same steel. But, Tesla made their own alloy for this. It was made with I, SpaceX. But I've seen pictures of them on the road, and they mm. they get dingy. They they look messy pretty you quickly. Close it off. It's that simple. I think. <laughs> no, seriously, it's meant to be, and I think Tesla's going to offer wraps for it as well. But um, I think it's not the it's not your refrigerator stainless steel. It's a lot more. Resilient. I mean, you've seen the picture of the one that they took the and took the Tommy gun and and, and sprayed the whole side of it too. Sure. Yeah. No, I saw. I yeah. saw that. I mean, that everybody was... see. They don't need to advertise because everybody saw it. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this truck is a rolling advertisement, and it and it's all over. I saw it in person at the Peterson Automotive Museum. I went to see uh, Franz Van Holshausen speak. He's the uh, the the designer for Tesla, and. Um, he was driving his, you know, prototype release candidate, but it was it's pretty impressive in person. I mean, it's imposing. They intend it to be for work. They they made it, made it so that it's extremely, you know, uh, resilient and uh, useful for actual work. It's meant for work. Now, people are going to take it as a lifestyle vehicle, but half the trucks that are sold are lifestyle vehicles. They're not meant, you know, people don't use them for work, work. I mean, you know, they throw some shit in the back, but I mean, they they don't. Uh, most people just use these for you know daily drivers. Well, as is I, evident because of the fact that the F one fifty is the best selling vehicle in right. the country. But before right. we go, I mean, they sell but, a few hundred thousand of them a year. Hang on, just a second. Before we go any further, I want to put the phone number out there for anybody who wants to jump in and join the conversation with us. Seven six zero. Six seven seven zero one 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 is our telephone number. You can reach us uh, if you're listening to the program live on Thursday evenings between eight and ten p.m. Eastern Time, five to seven p.m. Pacific Time. And Todd Bianco is our guest. He will be the uh, new uh, co-pilot of the program that Richie is going to be uh, working on as well is going to be called Torque, coming out from GBC a little later on this year. So stay tuned for news on that as well. Um, if you want to talk about vehicles, have any questions about them, it doesn't have to be about an electric vehicle per se, but we are talking about those because that is the direction that we're headed and about various brands and price points and the things that we need to be concerned about. Uh, I think a lot of people are concerned about is there enough power stations to basically take care of a world in which we are um, moving towards all electric vehicle and how fast is that rolling out and you know I, th I think from a standpoint that's the one thing that is the only thing at this point that I think is a is probably a better uh, suited thing from 
Tesla than any of the other manufacturers. Yeah, the, the supercharger network, and yeah, and, yeah. and everybody's going towards the uh, Tesla just rebranded their 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 connector as the NACS North right. American Charging Standard, and they're all falling in line so far. I mean, there's only a few holdouts at this point yeah. uh, who will adopt the system. It's by the way, it's far better than the you know CCS, CCS system yeah. that it's just that just sucks i read an and interesting the article. superchargers are far better and far easier to use yeah. than anything else out there i read I mean, it what, uh, hang what, on a second what, i had a I, I was watching or reading an article uh several months ago in the wall street journal where they actually had a couple of people who did uh, a short trip from i think it was from louisiana or texas up to chicago and back and they had to do it in like five days or four days or something like that so and part of it was being able to see can we get to charging stations and whatnot using uh you know uh, these non i think it was not on, it was not on the tesla system yeah. and you know and and that of course is going to be a concern for people who are buying these things and who don't have an hour to sit around and wait for their car to charge while they're in the midst of you know uh, trying right. to get somewhere quickly we're going to continue the conversation in just a moment right now we're going to take a quick uh, break and we'll continue in just a minute so stay with us with richie roy i'm johnny mack and we are here with todd bianco talking cars tonight on the gbc happy hour gbc.com this is the happy hour with your hosts richie roy and johnny mack your source for conversation current events culture and all things lgbtq welcome back to the show um we are here with Johnny Mac and uh, Todd Bianco, and we are talking about cars generally. We're at the moment talking about electric cars. Um, and before we get on to the sort of charging station thing, which I think is really interesting, I do have to say, you know, I'm I like the Cybertruck. I like how it looks. Um, you know, I I'm not a big fan of Elon Musk. I think that I think that the company would be better suited if he kind of moved on and let sort of other cooler heads prevail. Um, but what I like about the Cybertruck is that amongst really caught, this is going to sound like a funny thing to say, but it's the closest analog I can think in recent memory is the PT Cruiser, which is a car that just fundamentally looks different than other cars. And, and I know PT Cruiser is very ugly, but they weren't speaking the same visual language as all the other cars. And the Cybertruck is visually distinct from other cars. And right now, I think one of the things that we have that's that's really, um, I think, a problem for certain manufacturers, you know, I was just looking at an article today about low selling cars and a bunch of Jaguars were on the list. And they really, they just look like kind of these blobular kind of Nissans or something. Like they just look like generic cars. And 
I feel like there's a lot of sort of homogeneity in car design now, and there's sort of crossover SUV look, um, and there's so much sameness in cars. A lot, you know, even just sort of in different brands, and the Cybertruck at least looks really different. The Cybertruck is definitely a a different product. Um, that's Elon's baby. I mean, apparently, I, I read the I read the Walter Isaacson book on. Um, that just came out on Elon and Elon is Elon is Elon and you really can't reel him in very well, but Tesla is where it is because of Elon. SpaceX is where it is because of Elon. How do you think without, without his engineering talent, without his coding talent, without his ability to attract some of the best people in the business, even though he drives them away after a few years, they wouldn't be where they are today. Tesla wouldn't be profitable. SpaceX wouldn't have gotten all the contracts that it got uh, because they were they you know because he pushed it and they they succeeded. Um, so there, there's he's one of these ones where you have to sort of take the whole piece of the puzzle. You have to take the whole thing. You have to live with Elon being a dick on Twitter or slash X, whatever he's calling it well, today. I don't think he has been that successful. He's like Bill Gates in that he's acquired a lot of things with wealth that he got through family. He, he's yeah, not a this creator. This is family wealth. It isn't. His, his parents didn't have – his father, who was a real dick too, uh, didn't have any of the wealth. Uh, this is this is Elon's own wealth. It's his. It was his ability through coding that allowed him to sell his original game programs and then what he did at PayPal. Uh, of course, then we – that gave us Peter Thiel too, and there we – <laughs> and yeah. that that's a that that that's a that's not even a mixed bag it's just a bag but it, without without his talent and what he did he do you know that 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 uh paypal was called x yeah yeah for a while yeah i mean and, yeah. you know but he he has a thing for just x because he likes the simplicity of one letter and he was given the domain x when you know PayPal went public and they you know they distributed everything, and he got it at the time, and so he wants you know Twitter to become that. That this is this is aside from the cars, but what I'm saying is is that you sort of have to take the whole picture with it. But he would, but without his talent, without his pushing, without his original capital into Tesla, it wouldn't be what it is today, which is a powerhouse. And we need a powerhouse in the United States because right now it's Tesla and the Chinese against everybody else. And I'd rather have Tesla, an American car company, making cars in America with American labor and American parts. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the number one, two, and three most American-made cars uh, in, in the country. I mean, what I would like to see, I think, it, you know, you know that it just is. is I, mean, I don't know how to say it, but it, you know, he's we're 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 sort of at a point where Elon is just, you know, he feels hurt sometimes, and sometimes he lashes out. But it's it's a well, he's, a he's very mentally weird he's mentally, of, he's mentally ill. You know, Richie, you were going to say, 
What I was going to say is, well, you know, let's assume for a moment, let, let's just assume for the sake of discussion that Tesla is going to be kind of a dominant force in automotive, you know, sort of reality for, you know, the, the near future or maybe even, you know, the, the long term future. What I would like to see in a kind of like iteration or or evolution of the company is for and, and I think it'd be hard to think that this could be the case with Elon Musk at the helm, but to see, you know, they're interested in AI and self-driving. I'd be interested to have them bring on ethicists, philosophers, artists, true, you know, sort of people who believe in beauty and, you know, and and in finishes and in, you know, all the kind of things that actually make cars not just a functional device, but actually a thing of beauty. Um, that I think is where it's lacking. I think that I think that the visionary aspect of let's like make a car from scratch that's fully electric. That's really interesting. And like you know the Model S with the dual motor, you know dual motor situation, and like the whole thing was really revolutionary. But at this point now, I think that like there needs to be room for for some more some other voices to come in that can kind of inject some humanity and some kind of additional spirit. Because I find I rode in a Tesla for the first time the other day. It felt like, like I was, I, I don't know. It, it just, it did not feel like a, a, a really nice thing to be in. It actually felt very sterile. It felt very cheap. Um, it felt junky. And I was very surprised by that. We're going to talk more about it with Todd Bianco when we continue in a moment. Stay with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour, and we will get those of you who are listening live updated on the latest news headlines and then be back with much more, including your phone calls if you want to join the conversation, 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111. Don't forget to go to the gbchappyhour.com website and check out our merch collection if you want to wear our colors as well. From gbc.com this is the happy hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the happy hour. We are here with our illustrious Johnny Mack and our wonderful guest, Todd Bianco, and we are talking about car stuff. And um, I think, you know, something came up this week that was actually very interesting in San Francisco. Um, uh-huh. There have been a number of these uh, pilot programs in various um, various localities with self-driving cars that are basically kind of Ubers or Lyfts. I, and I think it's Waymo and Cruise, I think, are the, the names of the programs. Yeah, those, but are, basically, those are the two. Yeah, big ones, yeah. You, you, um, you know, you, you summon a car like you would an Uber, and a car comes up and there's no driver uh, and you hop in the back and the robot takes you to your destination. San Francisco had some rough rollouts and kind of bad stuff has happened. Um, huh, a lot. Uh, there, 
a lot of bad stuff. I saw a video of um, some, some young gals got in a car and it was driving, and then it suddenly just the 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 wheel just started like veering, just ju- like juddering to the right, and just like just tearing towards a uh, towards the sidewalk, and then it stopped. And then the car kind of thought for half, for 30 seconds, then started backing up into a busy intersection. <laughs> and they were just kind of in the car. They were just kind of shrieking and just saying, like, what do we do? Like, how do we what do we have? What happens? But then apparently there was something worse where I guess a woman got yeah. pinned by a car. And by one drugs. of the cars. Yeah. And drugs six feet. 20. Or was it 20? 20 feet. Oh, I heard only, only six. But then I heard no, that the feet. auto manufacturer the full, was trying to show yeah, they didn't show the full video. Right. They didn't to uh, to the Department of Motor Vehicles in California. Oh wow! And so California suspended them immediately from being able to do any of their uh, self driving robo taxis. Yeah. And that was Cruise. That was the one that's owned by GM that supposedly is going to be shared with Honda. Um, Waymo is the other one, which is the Google subsidiary. Uh, and it uh, both of them use uh, uh, software stacks that are uh, using radar, lidar, uh, and uh, Todd, can and you get cameras. a little closer to the mic there? Radar, <laughs> lidar, and, and cameras, and they are geofenced. And what that means is is that they can't go outside a certain you know proximity. You know that they, they're within this certain thing. They can't drive outside of that. They'll just stop. Because they're geofenced, and everything is mapped with lidar, which is a very high definition camera that, that, that you know spits out you know laser beams and it bounces back to paint a picture for it. But it doesn't. The problem with painting the picture, it doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell the car what it's looking at. It just tells them that there's a wall there. Or that there's you know a, 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 you know something over here on the side, flesh and bones, is, you know the is, simple is, things is blocking them or whatever. <laughs> but it doesn't tell them what it is. The the question is, does the car understand what it's looking at, and does the car understand what it's supposed to do when it sees quote sees what it is? So that's a it's it's a difficulty, and that 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 is why. Uh, it, sometimes these things do not work out, and it didn't know what to do. This is a very, you know, the 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 thing that happened with the with the Waymo car is something that you you almost can't tell the computer what to do. You know, when you're dragging a pedestrian, when do you stop? Right. I mean, well, this this is something that a you know a human theoretically knows what to do. Not always, but should know what to do if they've you know hit a pedestrian. Uh, you know, somebody that walks out in front. But this is a difficulty. This is why Waymo, they, if they'd been more upfront, I think, with the DMV, they may not have had, a, you know, because the suspension right now, there's no, it's not like it's a five-day or it's not like it's a five-year. It's just, it's suspended until otherwise notified. And I think, you know, what it really, because like I've talked about this in the past um, about this topic is, you know, I think, the idea of just sort of you know self-driving cars you know is is really interesting and 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 you know I think you know things are going in that direction. I really think that um, ethicists should be required to be on staff 
for these car companies because when you think about ethicists think about these top these these are philosophical questions you know you think of philip afoot had that classic conundrum about the trolley car right you have a trolley that car that that is running on a track and if the track you know if you and, and it was about to hit six people who were stuck on the track would you flip the switch to affirmatively then hit one person and kill them. And so, you know, these decisions about like, what, what are the risk metrics that you take? For instance, let's say you're, you know, you're a self-driving car and you have to make an emergency maneuver and you can either go left or right. Left is a school bus. Right is one car. You know, it's like there are all these really sort of thorny philosophical issues that come up with driving cars and risk management. And um, and I just think that that um, that having someone, you know, having philosophers and ethicists on board to even also even say whether things are ready. I mean, one of the things I think is truly irresponsible is, you know, there's this kind of like get out of jail free card to say, oh, it's a beta, you know, oh, this is a pilot. It's a beta. You know, we're, but we're we're testing it on public streets with humans. Um, that's actually pretty radical, and I think actually pretty irresponsible. Yeah, I think we should have to do that in uh, closed setting environments where they set up tracks and you know uh, scenarios where yes, there would be roundabouts and all sorts of other things that you would run into in a major city, uh, but where they have to have you know, dummies, so to speak, that would be, you know, what would be hit or, you know, be in the way or cause things. Somebody steps off the curb suddenly and all that. I just don't think that you can use the general public as your test grounds uh, in the interest of, you know, uh, another enterprise, you know, trying to make a buck. I think what 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 this comes down to is we're dealing with AI and uh, software cars are going to be defined by software uh, from now on that you know just purely mechanical is not how a car will be defined it will be defined by the software that runs the car Uh, and that's why everybody in the automotive businesses you know jumping through as many hoops as they can to figure out how to become software companies that because this is not something that they were. The legacy companies were not software companies. Which brings uh, brings me home to the point of: Do you really want to be in a car that software has been written by a guy who can't even get Twitter to work right? But, well, but he, that that not, that's he's said, not writing the software. Well, it's a neural he's, network but now he's, that, that's learning. Yeah, well, it's 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 a it's literally learning itself. It's AI. That's that's they've no longer write the stacks. Of software, those are thrown out in favor of a neural network where they have a supercomputer learning through video clips from actual drivers. So, so well, like, I, I want to cha- change the topic up for a moment because there's another yeah. story that has made news uh, recently that I wanted to ask you about because this scares me even more than autonomous <laughs> taxi cabs, and that is flying cars. Because supposedly you can buy the first flying car for $300,000 now. A bargain. Well, one might they've think. Been, they've but, been working on this for a while, but these are not very large. These are, you know, like two-seater. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're not very large. The problem is the weight of the you know the weight of the batteries and the energy density. Eventually, they'll get there, but I don't think we're there right now, uh, as far as an actual you know something that's that, that's you know commercially viable. Well, <laughs> I hate to say this, but the thought that comes to mind is that well, you should have a pilot license. Well, is 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 that old exclamation <laughs> exclamation of a bat out of hell? Because I can I, I can just see somebody um, you know flying through the air wherever they want and you know I mean it's bad enough we're gonna have to now deal with drones delivering crap to your door well we were promised flying cars long ago weren't we uh, but well you know but, but we should also go on another topic did you see motor trends SUV of the year just announced what yesterday what was that the unavailable Chevy blazer EV Oh, interesting. Really? Yes. That is now their Motor Trend SUV of the year. I've seen I've seen it. Um, they've been dragging it around to, like, cop shows to show how it can be used as a cop yeah. car. Yeah. And they've been, you know, showing it in various, you know, it's being made in Mexico, not the United States. Uh, and GM has pulled back on all of their production right now. So... Even though it won SUV of the year, getting it is a different story. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, will it be available? Will it be affordable? Well, who knows? But, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's a fairly affordable starting point, like $40,000. I think most but, of our lawmakers are made uh, in Mexico now because they seem an awful lot like the cartel. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because you bring up a good point, which is um, that they were sort of showing it to um, law enforcement, because I know that, you know, I think we're, you know, kind of um, for for especially for kind of non sort of just passenger car usages, um, municipalities are kind of, you know, I think a lot of municipalities, I know my county is looking, you know, has a green vehicle mandate. And there is a lot of desire for green vehicles, you know, i.e., EV vehicles, for things like sheriff's offices, for for police, you know, offices because they drive a lot, and um, you know uh, that that could be, you know, and and if you if you're sort of environmentally minded and you're looking at sort of a municipality, you're like, where can we deal with our carbon footprint? That's a huge place to look at, you know, and. So it isn't that is an interesting thing to think that they're kind of focusing on that kind of market because that market is there. The the um, the, the police market is there. Uh, right now, the Tesla Model Y has been the the preferred car of choice for several police fleets in the United States. Um, they've done the numbers and the cost savings uh, between gas and uh, maintenance, which is almost zero. Over say a four or five year period, they save thousands of dollars over if they were to buy a Ford Explorer. Right. Uh, so they've they've done that calculation. Now, of course, you'll see that uh, many municipalities have gone to EVs for their parking fleets. You know, they're the people sure. they give they give you tickets. Uh, the the good thing about fleets is that they know how many miles every car drives. It's the same thing with FedEx, it's the same thing with UPS, you know, the the, the delivery vehicles. We've got the, um, General Motors makes a, a thing called a bright drop, 
Have you seen this thing? It's uh, it's they use it for FedEx. FedEx is the buyer for hmm. most of these vans that are being made in Canada, but they're made, you know, they're through General Motors, and it's called Bright Drop. It's a kind of a weird name, but okay. Uh, the the cost of running these cars, uh, these vans, is far lower than a standard delivery. You know, whether it's natural gas or whether it's diesel, whatever it is, it's far lower. Uh, so I and they also they know exactly how many miles any fleet, you know they know exactly how many miles every car drives every day, you know because they're tracked with GPS. They know how many miles you know were put on every day, and they always come back to a yard, and they can and rather than refueling them, they can plug them in, mm-hmm. and in maybe four hours, which is more than enough time for a fleet, you know that it's ready by the mornings to go out once again. And I think that, and even if it's staggered, I mean, let's say that they they drive at night and come back in the day, they they know how many miles there are. And most of them aren't being driven more than a couple hundred miles. That would be a lot for any delivery vehicle, unless you're dealing with rural. So I think the fleets are are natural for a lot of these EVs. I hear people talking all the time uh, who are negative towards EVs, um, talking about the fact that you know, if everybody has to have one, it's going to be different than right now, and that the power grid cannot support the charging uh, in many places. Uh, how do you respond to that? I mean, what, what's the what are the facts on that? Well, I you know I, I've I've heard this for a long time. I just don't know if it's true. First of all, most EVs charge at night, and that's when the grid is you know least used. And, you know, it's kind of, you can't just turn off a power station. Right. That's why generally you can have much lower rates at, at the nighttime. So you've got that. And a lot of them charge at home. They're not using public. But there's lots of different places in public that are being built already uh, for charging. I've seen lots and lots of, 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 in my neighborhood, there's lots and lots of cars that are untethered. So we can talk about that when we get back. Okay, and we'll continue the conversation with Todd Bianco. You're listening to the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack, and our phone number is 760-677-0111. If you'd like to get in the conversation, go ahead. Don't be shy. Be the first on your block to call. And also, in the next hour of our program we're going to get into some other interesting stuff including the crazy man from hell who is now your new united states house of representatives speaker and we're also going to talk a bit about uh, some great products that we want to recommend to you from our gbc happy hour seal of approval department plus don't forget rich you'll be in pouring cocktails in our mixology segment When you join Walmart's private fleets as a Class A truck driver, you can live better on and off the road. That's because Walmart's fleet offers a stress-free environment with weekly home time, quarterly safe driving bonuses, consistent no-touch freight, activity pay, insurance, day one, up to 21 paid days off, a 401k program, stock purchase plans, and much more. All of this while you earn $87,000 a year. This is a perfect time to join Walmart's private fleet as we celebrate 50 years of success on the road. If you're looking for a better place for your truck driving career, connect with Walmart today at drive4walmarts.com. Again, that's drive4walmarts.com. 
www.thepatriotsocialdemocrats.com or call 844-339-6949 to learn more. It's not always laughter and games on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mac, but when it is, you'll know when it's time to cut them off. Now, back to the beer pong. Uh, I mean show. Boys. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the happy hour. So while we were on our little break, um, I did get an incoming message um, asking us to talk about a topic um, about EVs that I think is an interesting one, which is about um, about the used EV market and the pricing on it. And they asked uh, about how the socioeconomics for used EVs might be out of reach for lower incomes. And I think this is an interesting question because, you know, we're talking about kind of expensive, you know, Teslas and very expensive things like, you know, the Toyota EV cars and stuff. Um, you know, what is it, what does it mean to have, um, a, you know, a, a sort of automotive market that is moving to a place that is not necessarily affordable? You know, I think that's an interesting question. Well, uh, used prices of EVs are actually quite depressed these days. Um, you can pick up a, a used two or three year old Model 3 for um, $30,000. That's, you know, cheaper than a Honda Civic. You can get a Nissan Leaf for twenty thousand or less. Um, there's plenty of used EVs on the marketplace that you can pick up for a very reasonable price. Um, and, and, and 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 in terms of because you know one of the things um, that I know is kind of a talking point um, with people who are kind of resistant to EVs and stuff is that um, you know because of things like battery life and stuff like that oh, that. E- no, I, I'm, yeah, I, I know. I've heard. I, this, I'm just, yeah. It, yeah, right. No, and I, I, I'm just sort of voicing this so that you know someone who's knowledgeable can sort of explain otherwise. But um, is that a concern? You know, is it a concern uh, that you know a used EV is going to have a depleted battery source that is going to require a very expensive, you know, uh, retrofitting afterward? Well, most people, when their motor goes out, they don't buy, they don't get a new one. They just scrap the car, right? But for an EV, that's different. Uh, the batteries, especially in Teslas, have been shown over more than a decade to retain 75% or more of their uh, original uh, range, which is probably more than enough for most people for daily driving. I mean, if you had a car that was at 300 miles, let's say, and now it's uh, at 250, that's usually enough for most people. And, and by the way, even after you know, after a decade or a decade and a half, the and you, you get another car or you can get another used car, the batteries are recycled. You can either recycle them, uh, they're almost 95% recyclable, but we don't have enough in the, in, in the market yet to do that. But uh, Redwood Materials is the company that's uh, really leading the way with uh, uh, recycling a gigantic percentage of that, including all the, you know, the rare earths and everything else that can be, and the metals and everything else that can be used again. But if a battery is depleted to say 50%, that still has value. And you know what you use it as? You you go and buy them from the junkyards, let's say, or somebody's going to repurpose these and they're going to sell them as stationary storage for your home. Because 
you know, a, a, a Tesla battery or a Nissan Leaf battery that's at 50%, which I haven't seen any, but it's at 50% is more than you need to run a house for a day or two. So these can all be repurposed and be continually used. Uh, and again, you're not worried about the weight and so what that it's at 50%. You still have a fairly large battery that can be used to, as a backup for your house or for your cabin or for whatever else. I think we're going to see a large secondary market in those kinds of things, uh, which is not something that you can do with uh, a motor that's blown or whatever else. That just gets go, goes to the scrapyard. But an EV battery, you don't stick in, 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 a, you know, in a scrapyard or bury it in some junk. You reuse it or recycle it. Uh, and there's many, you know, like I said, they have second lives, especially as stationary storage, which I think is going to be a large one right now. You know, you're paying $10,000 for a Tesla Powerwall, but you know, why not just buy a, a, you know, a used, you know, one that came out of a junked car, let's say, and you can pay $4,000 for that and still get more storage than a, a brand new Tesla Powerwall. There's, you know, there's ways to reuse these batteries that, that make much more sense than in, um, normal you know all you know, the all the parts and all the things that come from an internal combustion engine car uh, the number of parts is far 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 lower and the motors last you know nearly forever uh, they're all warranty but uh, you know most people don't have ev motors that go bad it's you know they, they're worried about the batteries but and todd along that line are i seem to remember from our past conversations that there are or have been um some brands that have uh, talked about the idea that you would actually go in and actually have the battery drop out, like for just for recharging, as opposed to having to sit and wait, where they could take a battery out and replace one at while yeah. you're you know doing yeah, that. The, the, would the that not be an swapping. option to do uh, that? Is like a <clears throat> ongoing battery lease program or something? Yeah, I mean, VinFast wanted to do that, but then they scrapped that idea. The idea, the, the problem is, is that the entire industry is battery resource constrained, and it makes no sense to have four perfectly good EV batteries sitting at some swapping station, uh, you know, waiting for somebody to swap it, rather than just spending 40 minutes and go from zero to 100 percent most people don't do that most people have at least you know they stop at a supercharger let's say they have 20 percent and they just they go up to 80 percent it's 20 minutes that's it most people don't go from zero to 100 at a charging station um so you know i i, I don't see that as being really viable in the marketplace, especially right now where we're completely battery constrained. The, the industry doesn't have enough batteries. GM doesn't have enough batteries to build their trucks. Uh, Ford doesn't have enough batteries to build the F-150 Lightning. Uh, they're battery constrained. So having battery swapping stations with a bunch of you know fresh batteries waiting to go in and out just to save you, say let's just say 30 minutes, yeah. isn't worth it. Isn't you know, worth I it. I think one of the things that, um, you know, that's a barrier, I think a barrier to entry here, um, that, you know, and I'm just sort of thinking, you know, out loud is that none of the, all of this is really good for the, for climate change. Like sort of, you know, sort of, we can just sort of pause it. That this is good for climate change. None of this is very easy or fun or delightful. And the thing is about 
people, you know, have an expectation and not that I'm saying that it's it's a it's warranted, but like people have an expectation that cars are delightful. They they sell cars based on delight, right? You know, when they when they advertise yes. cars, it's based on this will move you. This will transport you. This is going to be luxurious. This is going to be sporty. There are all these models about how you sell a car. And none of it is based on this is going to be kind of a glum, grim, less fun experience than what you've had for your entire life. And Absolutely I feel like that's not. kind of the problem. But it's not. Uh, have you driven a Tesla? No, I'm saying this is the sales are, problem. I know, but they are. They don't have a sales problem. They're fast. I mean, they're really fast. I drove a Plaid Model X a couple of months ago, and it was scary fast. But that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I have an old Model 3. I never tire of it. Every single time I get in that car, it doesn't get old. Me passing people on the freeway, me just putting my foot down and flying past people. That is fun. It is fun in corners. It is fun on driving. It is fun every single day. I never get tired of instant torque. Well, you, you know, you know where you know where I think you know. Obviously, Tesla is doing great, right? But I think where they're kind of dropping a ball is they are not they don't advertise they Never. don't they they don't spend the money to make the case for electric cars i mean they kind of think the case makes itself but i think broadly the people and i think if they heard stories like that they might be more inclined to try them people who aren't necessarily kind of already sort of you know sort of primed to want to try an electric vehicle right but once they try that i mean most of it is word of mouth that you know when, when GM had a big uh, Super Bowl ad about their EVs coming up, I think it was with Will Ferrell, guess who everybody searched for after that? They searched Tesla. So, so GM spent a big ton of money for a Super Bowl ad and Tesla gained market share. Right. I, I mean, you know, it, I think a lot of Tesla just says that we don't care. It's word, word of mouth. We don't need to waste our money on advertising because people just know about it by word of mouth. The question is about the other other brands and whatever else. They're all trying for the same thing. They want word of mouth. Uh, I've driven um, the uh, Hyundai Ionic 5, and it's pretty fun to drive. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I think once you get in it, if you like the styling or whatever, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's a, it's a great little car. Uh, it's actually not that little, but I mean, it's these are, you know, these are well-engineered cars. They're they're a lot of fun to drive, and like I said, they're they're going to cost you a lot less to operate in a long-term basis. So I think it's a matter of perce- you're right perception, uh, because perception is reality. And you know, with with Elon being the negative part, uh, you know, the owners being positive, uh, they do okay, but. It, I think you know yeah, that's going to do it. I think uh, people will catch on, and it won't be some drudgery old thing. It'll be fun. <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah. I want a fun car. I don't want yeah. a drudgery. Well, if you want a fun <laughs> okay. car and want help finding the fun car, the right one for you, your budget, and whatnot, uh, be sure to join Richie Roy and Todd Bianco uh, before the year is out. We hope uh, with a brand new program from the GBC Radio Network called Torque. And we'll tell you more about that soon. Stay with us. This is (laughs) the GBC Radio Network, and you're listening to the GBC Happy Hour. Thank you so much for joining us in this hour, Todd. And Richie will be back next hour to talk about another devil on Capitol Hill. 
System, the leader in network radio. I bet you didn't know professional shows could use the F word. Well, it depends on which ones you're talking about. On the Gay BC Happy Hour, we roll with the times. For instance, Johnny loves Fantastic, Far Out, and even an occasional fuck. Richie, he's okay with Fella, Fuddy Duddy, and occasionally Fart, depending on what you do with it. But they both draw the line at fag, because in fact, God does love fags. And Fred Phelps found out when he got to hell. Here are your F-bombs, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the second hour of the happy hour. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, I'm, I am so fed up tonight. And I, the last thing I want to do is do a negative review on a product that I have loved for years and years and years. But tonight, finally, I think that my headset is giving up the ghost. <gasps> and I mean, this particular model, I, I've had many of them over the years. But even though I've taken really good care of this one, it's like there's like a, a hair wire thing that is shorting out. So one of my ears is going out all the time. Ooh. And it's just been driving me nuts the whole show. And are these the MDR 7506s? They are. <gasps> yeah. Oh, no. So tomorrow I'm ordering, <laughs> ordering new ones so I won't bitch about them anymore. <laughs> Anyway, it's good to have you with us this week, and we appreciate you being along. We hope you enjoyed uh, our spirited conversation with apparently Elon Musk's one remaining fan. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, Todd. Todd Bianco, who uh, himself is a, um, is if you didn't know, and he did reveal this, uh, he himself does have a Model 3, and I've actually ridden in it, and it's fun. He's right. Um, but... Uh, you know, there's just so many other brands of electric cars coming into the marketplace today. And I do want to um, look forward to hearing you guys when you're on the air with the new show with Torque um, and being able to hear you talk about uh, a lot of different options there because some of us can't afford the um, uh, Musk vehicle price tag. Um, and I know Todd was also hoping to talk about BMW and a couple others tonight, but those were all in the not John Johnny Mac stratosphere, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, there I are think, some I really good prices. Also, I think the show will also have room. I mean, you know, Ice, as he mentioned, the internal combustion engine. Mm -hmm. I think there's still room to talk about that for sure. I mean, those cars are still going to be being sold and be great for a while. You know, I think that um, you know, and, and when you talk about affordability. Um, you know, that's definitely still a thing. I mean, there are very affordable, very great sort of conventional gas-powered cars that are worth talking about. Yeah, and they'll still destroy our environment, but yes. Well, and, and that'll be one of the things that we hey, kind of touched Rich, upon with rare earth metals. But um, Richie, you just broke up there. So um, you started to say that, start again with the beginning of that statement. Oh, yeah, that I think that, you know, environmental, you know, sort of talking about the environmental impact is like, is such a complicated conversation, because as Todd kind of mentioned, rare earth metals are a big part of the electric car 
reality. Yeah. And that has to do with that that has to do with very invasive mining and it also has to do with geopolitics. So it's really I mean, electric cars are clearly the future, but they're a very complicated future. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will be part of the conversation is it's not just as simple as electric cars good internal combustion bad, but it's actually quite nuanced. You know what I have been surprised that we haven't seen more of is, um, and and in part I say this with a little bit of local bias because we have a a transit authority here in the greater Palm Springs area that serves the Coachella Valley that actually is a worldwide leader in the development of a technology um, that they've been using for many years and they actually have... um, uh, perfected some things to the point where uh, the person who is leading that agency is now going to work with another organization uh, that is a national organization that is going to be working to help uh, further develop this technology, and that is hydrogen fuel. Um, all of our uh, all of our uh, transit fleet here is hydrogen operated, and that oh, wow. too is a very uh, green friendly you know, uh, form of fueling in uh, getting movement from one place to another. So uh, I, I'm, I think that that's something else we need to take a look at as well and, and see, you know, how we can use these other types of resources, natural resources that we have. Um, because you're right. I mean, there's certainly, you know, there's a lot of questions about, you know, what it takes to, to make those batteries uh, and make them work. And, you know, the resources that that affects uh, coming out of our ground as well. For sure. But um, to pivot uh, in this second hour, we've got some other big stories this this week. Um, we don't talk about somebody who hates green energy. We are going to talk about that, who hates a lot of things. He actually. hates who gays and lesbians and bisexual and transgender and well, generally queer people. And well, he kind of hates women forget- and hates no-fault divorce yeah. also. Um, but before we get to that, we have a an update from last week. And you it's do. actually a pretty exciting, quick turnaround update, um, which is that the National Hockey League, the NHL, has uh, rescinded their ban on pride tape. Um, yeah. And it, so, you know, Remind I think us what the, happened the outcry, last week that we talked about about this. What was that? Remind us what happened last week, our conversation about this. Right. So so what happened last week is um, the NHL has been kind of a little bit um, not very good on gay issues recently. They, um, they banned uh, uh, theme-based pride or theme-based workout jerseys, which essentially meant no pride workout jerseys, which, which is in practice, in sort of practice uh, – they would wear a separate jersey and they would wear pride jerseys or different jerseys. And um, they were basically told after this current year, because there were a couple sticks in the mud uh, homophobes who uh, said that they didn't want to wear the jerseys, that those jerseys aren't allowed. And then last, you know, last week or the week before, um, the NHL kind of went a step further and said that pride tape, which is basically kind of a rainbow colored tape that people would would put on their uh, on their hockey stick, right on the um, blade portion, on the blade portion that that was not allowed. Um, and oddly j- enough, we also reported, as I recall, 
that there were several people in the NHL's headquarters office in New York who actually had hockey sticks hanging up out of their cubicles with the pride tape on it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and there was this kind of this, this thought, you know, because there's this kind of like, you know, everyone can play or whatever, which is sort of this like kind of, you know, uh, lip service that was being played by the NHL. And then they kind of just backtracked on it really, really harsh, harshly. And like, and so the thing with the, with the pride tape was it wasn't that, you know, it was, no one was mandating it. Basically they were saying no individual player, even in practices with their own team could use it. And so is this really sort of like, don't say gay style, you know, draconian response to what was essentially a couple, you know, homophobic players being against wearing jerseys for warmups. So it was it was really tone deaf. And, um, you know, this week, I know one at least one player disobeyed the ban and had pride tape on when, you know, during a practice. And I think after a lot of backlash and opprobrium, the NHL walked back from it and pride tape is allowed again. Hallelujah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I, I mean, too. you know, small wins, right? Yep. Got to take them where you can get them. We certainly yeah. didn't get them in the United States House of Representatives this week. Uh, finally, after they're jerking around for, what, about 22 days with no speaker uh, elected after they threw out uh, that other dingbat from Bakersfield. Um, was his name? Kevin McCarthy? Yep. Yeah, well, uh, we ended up with this guy from Louisiana. Mike uh, Johnson. Mike, Mike Johnson. And um, it's interesting. I thought it was... Uh, I know that you like to read the New York Times as well, Richie. Um, I... Uh, have had on my program a few times Paul Krugman, who is, uh, of course, the economist columnist for the New York Times, and I enjoyed his um, uh, piece today because it really, you know, called him out for what they are uh, because he said that there are no moderate Republicans in the House of Representatives. He said, oh, no doubt some members are privately appalled by the views of Mike Johnson, the new speaker, but what they think in the privacy of their own minds isn't important. What matters mm-hmm. is what they do. And every single one of them went along with the selection of a radical extremist. Yeah. And he kind of sort of, you know, came out of nowhere, uh, you know, by and large. Uh, but, you know, as people are sort of looking into his bio, what they're finding out, um, you know, is this is a, an absolutely extreme right-wing evangelical crazy person he's against i mean he's virulently against homosexuals you know he he believes that homosexuality is amoral he believes that actually a lot of um you know he gave a speech a sermon in 2016 at the christian center of shreveport it was a 90 minute speech where he talked a lot about the basically the evils of america yeah. of current america that really he he sort of pinned back to the 60s and 70s and said that sort of it that the sort of modern America is against you know sort of the foundations of a religious country. He's against no fault no fault divorce. He's against any kind of abortion. He's against gay rights or even gay existence. Yeah, because um, here's the deal about that, and this is why I 
kind of teased our show today in social media saying that if you don't care about politics, fine, but you better for the next freaking year. And you better do everything you can to convince everybody in your life that matters to you or that you supposedly matter to them to make sure that they understand this stuff, that it's not just rhetoric, it's not just campaign rhetoric, that regardless of whether you like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, if we end up with Republicans in control of the White House and the House of Representatives and the Senate after this year, it's not just a matter of somebody who wants to roll back things like the ability for two people of the same gender to get married or for you to be able to see your spouse or your partner. Maybe you're not married, but maybe you have a significant under, other. And if somebody were to get sick, being able to see them or make decisions for them if they were in the hospital or they lose their life. We're now talking about something far bigger than that because what Mr. Dumbass Johnson wants is he wants to actually criminalize gay sex. And we had a period of that in some states in this country. Texas was probably the most famous because of a case that we may remember if we were around in the 1990s that the Supreme Court stepped in and said, no, 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 Um, (laughs) they're entitled to privacy and to live their lives as they see fit. Um, That was the effort to to basically maintain that state's uh, sodomy law. And this guy wants to make it illegal for you to give head or to rim your other half or to I I know I'm being crude here but I think I need to say it in these terms guys on guys gals on gals there's not going to be any legalized screwing around in in those circles if these people are allowed to continue this radicalization of America in the 21st century well, and you have to look. You have to look because he's sort of of a piece with like with like Leonard Leo, who is sort of this Federalist Society guy who is instrumental in Trump's uh, Supreme Court picks, and who has also been instrumental in all the Republican kind of um, court, uh, you know, federal court, um, you know, decision choices for for judges. Um, these are extremely ideological, extremely radical, and revanchist people who fundamentally don't believe in the progressive project of the 20th century, let alone the 21st century. They, you know, you know, when you listen to people like Mike Johnson um, or, you know, uh, some of the judges that they choose, they don't believe in contraception as being legal, as being acceptable. They don't believe in, you know, again, Mike Johnson doesn't believe in no-fault divorce. He really, uh, you know, which is, you know, something that I think, you know, a broad a broad coalition of people believe in no default divorce. But he's so, you know, there's this book by David Frum called How We Got Here, which is basically kind of an indictment. It, it's a very funny read, actually. It's it's worth looking, it's worth picking up and just I read it and laughed my way through it. But it's basically this kind of indictment of 
you know, how the 70s kind of ruined America, you know, the bra burners and the homosexuals and, you know, and all the the crazies just kind of like ruined the country. It's like Mike Johnson is someone who like read that book on angel dust and, you know, just decided to kind of weaponize it and make it his crusade. And um, these are people that we're going to have to contend with, you know, as you said, Johnny, um, you know, right now, thankfully, that you know the house is just one piece of a government and we have you know a a, a democratic president you know we have a, you know a senate that is not um you know aligned with his you know with his interests but um depending well, we have, on how we also have tens that? of millions of people in this country who depend on the United States social safety net because of illnesses because of their age because of any number of issues and uh, these are programs that not only impact the poor, but also, um, you know, set, uh, they're tied into the policies that form the bedrock of financial stability for the middle class. Well, and, and you and, bring up a good point because he's, he's radically anti-socialist. Yes, and, and he, wants so, to, he wants to kill Social Security uh, generally, but he wants to at the very least see that the um, raise of the retirement age goes um, from 67 to 70 and he wants to make it so that you have to be 70 years old before you can qualify for Medicare coverage which currently is at 65 well you know that's not going to go over so well with the elderly and for people who think that we need to have a better healthcare program in this country he's not going to be there on your side i guarantee it we're going to continue this conversation with richie roy i'm johnny mack and thanks for being with us on this edition of the gbc happy hour although this isn't a very happy topic The GBC Happy Hour continues with or without pumpkin spice. Your taste, your show, and your humble hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Welcome back. Um, but yeah, so so you know, this is something to pay attention to. Um, you know, it's not it's not good news, but it's important for us again to always be vigilant. Um, you know, to to pay attention to you know, national politics to some extent, you know, keep in mind, just sort of keep attention on it. But at the same time, really local stuff, continue to pay attention to local races, to school boards, to stuff like that. Because again, these, these kind of like really crazy people, you know, they, they accrete power over time. They're and, counting on you, um, by the way, to not be paying attention and to not care. You know, to be those people who put their hands over, over their ears and go, eh, 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 I can't hear anything. I don't want to hear anything. Don't tell me anything. It's negative. You know, I don't want to hear that stuff. And and that's how this gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think this is a good, this is a good topic though, because I think that there's, there's a, 
there's a balance to be struck, I think, for the average person, which is I think it's important to engage with the national and international news every day. I think to a point, I think you have to be mindful of it. You have to be aware, but you can't let it consume you either because it can be very, it can be very exhausting and make you feel very hopeless because when you see kind of these really big things happening that you have no control over, um, you can start to think like, well, what, what can I do? And so that's why I think you have to pay attention, but I think you also like, you know, for me, I put a collar each day on how much time I spend on the New York Times website. I give it 30 minutes and I try to, you know, take in as much as I can, but I don't get caught up in the 24-7 news cycle that especially something like CNN or MSNBC really like to get you hooked into because they want to keep eyes and ears on their product. I think that that's detrimental, I think, to people because it 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 drains your batteries on something that you're not actually doing any work about. And for those of you who are spending 30 minutes or less on the New York Times website because you have to moderate the amount of this kind of message that you intake, uh, let me just be your um, your bookmarker. So make sure you go and read the column written by Gail Collins entitled The Speakership is Yours, Mike Johnson. Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you had me at Gail Gail Collins because I like the the New York Times op ed page is is one of the the truly most like you know sort of curdled milk kind of like rotten yogurt sort of places to go. But Gail Collins is always a ray of sunshine. I just love her. She is so funny. She's so trenchant. And uh, yeah, if, if it's written by her, I'm reading it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but. Uh, on a, on a sort of slightly, you know, on a, another kind of national news note for the moment, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting today, um, you know, we haven't today that this episode has not been super heavy on LGBTQ issues, but I think it's okay because, um, you know, we're kind of doing a little bit of a different spin this week. We're people um, too. What was that? We're people too. Exactly. But, um, but, uh, there was an interesting thing, uh, that uh, happened this week in court. Um, Donald Trump got, uh, and I, I hesitate to say his name because I don't like to have his name on this show. But um, well, I'll just say the the former president got um, reprimanded for yet again violating his gag order. Yep, with another slap on with a finger on his hand. Um, financially, only ten thousand dollars this time, but he apparently they the the special counsel who's handling the federal case cases uh is making a claim now an argument now i heard it it was they read it today on television um that he needs to be incarcerated until his trials because he's just thrown so much disregard for the judges that have warned him not to you know, trying to influence or threaten people. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, um, you know, I think even if it were, it, it'd be, I think it's really interesting. I think even if it were for a 
day. Yeah. I think it would be extremely important. Yeah. Because he because his his flouting of norms and an assumption that because he is who he is that he's not subject to any rules that anyone else is is subject to. Right. I think just even just one night in the slammer. Yeah. You know, preceded would, of course before he gets to the cell by having to be strip searched, bending over and having to have his backside checked to make sure that there's no top secret documents up his hole. Right, which, which I mean, speaking of that, I mean, because the thing is, again, in terms of like breaking norms, I read an article that, you know, he, he on some, in some kind of campaign-y, you know, kind of like, you know, self-bloviating speech, he made some comment about, you know, about Iran that, that theoretically, um, that may have revealed uh, top secret sort of intel- intelligence right that because he's so dense and so and again so uh, uninterested in norms that um you know the, the things that are classified the presidents aren't meant to talk about he's willing to just kind of you know to just freewheel and talk about you know to to puff himself up it's amazing to me because i think a lot of people who are still supportive of him in light of all of these unconventional things um, I think that they don't realize how much he ultimately puts them and their families uh, and other people that they care about at risk as a whole, as a community of Americans because of his you know acting the way that he does regardless of what it might mean for anybody else sad we're going to continue with more of the GBC Sad Happy Hour. We're going to get happy <laughs> because coming up before too long, we're going to go to that happy place, the mixology department. But we've also got some great products to talk about tonight. And we're going to do that, make our recommendations next after we update our live listeners on a couple of news headlines. And with Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack. We'll be right back. The GBC Radio Network presents the weekly public service, the GBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval. Does it fly or does it die? Products, services, and customer service that will turn you on or turn you off. Does the cup runneth over or has the well gone dry? Richie and Johnny, take it away. Welcome back, everyone. I gotta ask you, do you even have any idea how many products there are. Um, well, I'll just tell you this. On Google, under the category <laughs> at Amazon.com, there's a category in there on Google that says butthole cleaner. And, and I don't <laughs> say this to be crude or gross, but it's funny because Richie and I were both in a... In a uh, Twitter space the other night and there were discussions about products that are used for personal hygiene uh, you know like soaps and shampoos and things like that and somebody got around to mentioning that um, they used to use the Paul Mitchell tea tree shampoo 
But then the person said in a like a side comment something about you know well you know but I quit using that because you know I wouldn't use that on you know on the sensitive parts because you know that might not be good and I was like no absolutely not and I thought you know I usually come into the segment that we do um, uh, very cup half empty instead of half full and I'm usually the person telling people whatever you do don't don't buy this product <laughs> don't do not patronize this business but not tonight because that got me thinking about the fact that back in the days when I was working at Sirius Alq, um, there was a product that actually I think they became a sponsor on one of our shows for a while uh, and it was a product that um, I loved their little taglines and promotions but the product was called sphincterine uh, you know kind of like Listerine for your butt but um, and it came like in a spray bottle and it also came in these little foil packs of like handy wipes. And the idea was is that, you know, yeah, you're cleaning up to make sure bacteria is gone, but you're also, you know, giving yourself some, you know, uh, good taste as well. So if somebody's going to apply a tongue uh, somewhere down there, um, it's or they're going to have their face somewhere down by there, it's not going to be an unpleasant smell. In fact, they called it Altoids for your ass. And so um, I was thinking about this the other night when we were in that Twitter space. I know it's not called Twitter anymore, but I just refuse to call it something else. Anyway, we were in the space, and this person uh, who's a friend of ours from up in Boston uh, made these comments, and I said, no, 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 no. I actually, I love... Paul Mitchell's tea tree shampoo. In fact, the place that we were originally getting it quit selling it, and um, my significant other gave me the bad news one day, and he ended up buying this other brand of a tea tree shampoo, and I, it was like nothing like it. I was like, no, 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 that's fail, 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 fail. And so um, he eventually found it at another place locally. I'm sure he could have just bought it online, but the smell, the feel, the cleanliness I feel after I have showered. And, you know, I don't just use it on my on my noggin, you know, to shampoo my hair. Um, it actually leaves a nice tingle elsewhere. So I wanted to highly recommend the Paul Mitchell Tea Tree Shampoo to those of you who are able to find it. And uh, I love the fact it comes in a big pump bottle and, you know, it takes a while to go through it. I loved I love that recommendation and and it, it brings up something that uh, a couple years ago I was that was on my radar um, there that is sort of related. There's a product by a company called Studio Ready that is called the Hot Coffee Butt Scrub, and it is a sort of um, exfoliate, lightly exfoliating, coffee infused uh, product that is meant to clean that particular region, uh, for, you know, particular activities. And, um, I, it, it gets rave reviews. I've not personally tried Give it. Give us or the name it. of it one more time. Hot it coffee. Is called, what was that? You said hot coffee, hot coffee, butt scrub. Uh, yes, but um, you know, I am a big fan of tea tree. I actually I use um a I use the Dr. Bronner's tea tree Castile soap um every day in the shower. I love um 
I love that sort of tingle. I love the sort of astringency of it, and it smells great. Um, it actually, to me, the tea tree smell is a little bit, it smells a little bit kind of like gasoline, which I don't think is a bad thing because I kind of like that smell. Um, but I love I love tea tree products um, generally. But yeah, um, I remember I used to use the the Paul Mitchell tea tree, which I think is a mix of tea tree and I think it also has mint or menthol because yeah. it's sort of like doubly tingly. Yes. And uh, I'm just but reading, yeah, it's a great product. I'm just reading the uh, description on the page here at the Studio Ready website, and. Uh, it says, get studio ready with this butt scrub that signals your partner and leaves your skin sweet and delicious with a <laughs> concentrated botanical complex to promote natural uh, elastin uh, for added resilience and bounce. This unique blend neutralizes under <laughs> un <laughs> unwanted... <laughs> sorry unwanted odor and effectively cleanses your skin to ensure impeccable personal hygiene it reminds me of last <laughs> night the feed stopped working on my sling uh, uh tv thing last night so i ended up going to another service and i ended up going into prime and for some stupid reason it put me into that free view service oh yeah and and the thing i ended up watching was an uncensored tv bloopers reel oh god yeah so, you know, and it's funny because, you know, you start seeing things like that and you and you realize that there's a lot of people when they're doing movies and TV and things like that, that they get into those laughing fits because, you know, one silly thing in the in in the script uh, just sets them off. And they it takes them like six or seven takes after that to try and get themselves under control. Right. <laughs> Well, I I love your recommendation. Mine's a little bit more uh, practical. A little, a little. Well, I mean, actually, tea tree shampoo is pretty practical. Mine's also practical, but it's it's a little bit less. Um, uh, it's a little bit more plebeian, I guess. Um, but I and I, fr my friends who are listening to this uh, show will already have heard me talk about this many times before, but. Um, my recommendation is the product Barkeeper's Friend. It is a powder. Um, it is uh, it's a, it's like in a tube. It's like in the same kind of tube that Comet would come in. Okay. Um, and it is a powdered based cleaner that you use in the kitchen. You can use it in the bathroom. You can use it everywhere. And what's interesting about it is uh, it's the it, the active ingredient is oxalic acid which is the same thing that is found in rhubarb and spinach. Hmm. You know how when you eat spinach, how your teeth get kind of like kind of on edge? Like the enamel kind of like raw spinach. If you eat raw baby spinach, you kind of your teeth feel a little like gritty. Hmm. Or if you eat like raw rhubarb. So what it is, is, is it's, a, it's an astringent. But the thing is, Barkeeper's Friend, more than any other kitchen product, is incredible at dealing with cooked on stains. So I was I made a curry the other night in a Le Creuset Dutch oven, and um, it you know I, I I was you know browning onions and browning garlic and ginger, and it just cooked down onto the pan, just like burnt onto the pan. The pan oh. was just was just like brown, 
with cooked on stuff. A little barkeeper's friend, a little water and an, a sponge came right off. Same thing with all clad, same thing with any sort of cooked on, like even sort of stains, things that are stains. And, and it's better than soap, better than bleach, better than Comet, better than anything. The oxalic acid, which I, as far as I know, is kind of unique to Barkeeper's Friend, is absolutely a game changer for, for kitchen cleanliness. It I'm, is incredible. I'm at their website right now, which, of course, is barkeepersfriend.com, mm-hmm. and they have a whole variety of products. Uh, they that, have a line, yeah. That, they have a soft cleanser. They have sprays, yeah. yes. Stuff for cookware. Uh, for coffee makers, uh, mm-hmm. stuff for po- toilet bowl cleaning, of course, and also, you know, for um, countertops, different types of countertops and all that kind of stuff, granite and stone and, they and do. stainless steel oh. and all that. That's pretty cool. Um, and uh, they're also uh, available uh, pretty much at a lot of different places. It's funny, I've never seen it before, but they're available not only just through like Amazon, but uh, Kroger stores, Albertsons, mm-hmm. uh, Menards, Home Depot, uh, Walmart, Target, Uline, and others. So, yeah, like if you're if you widely, cook at all, yeah, get get a tube of Barkeepers. Friend. I mean, yeah, all the other products are good. The soft cleanser is great; it's great for toilets. I mean, all that. But the original tube of the powder, if you cook at all, um. It is essential. I mean, uh, and, and and many of the major brands, All Clad, Le Creuset, you know, Calphalon, they all recommend it as well. But it is absolutely amazing at just cleaning kit, kitchen cookware. And like, I've been cooking a lot recently, so it's been very top of mind for me. Um, it's also, you know, like if your sink is like ceramic or, or you know, or is uh, porcelainized, and you kind of put a metal pan down in it and it gets those kind of metal scrapes it gets those off immediately you know what i want to try i'm going to get some and i want to try it uh for cleaning the hard water deposits off the shower uh glass in my um master bath Uh, oh yeah because we have really you know um we have a ton of uh mineral in the water here and so after a while it uh it becomes a real bitch to get it off the glass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, let me know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that those were all some good recommendations. Uh, I could tell you not to get Sony uh, MDR7506 headsets, but I'm not going to because I'm going to go order a new one tomorrow. And uh, and I've always loved that headset uh, working in a studio for many, many years. So I'm just going to end up and they're cheaper than they have been in a long time I and mean, they're only like 89 dollars anymore i remember when they used to be north of 100 they're great i mean they, they aren't i mean the thing is i love that head i think that that is one of the best just one of the best pairs of headphones full stop i mean they, they the sound quality is amazing the comfort level is good they're in terms of longevity, I think you're right. I mean, for me, the thing that always was the issue with MDR 7506s was the padding would start to flake. Yeah. What's nice, though, is that they make, for that for this model, they actually make, like, velour earmuffs that you can Ooh. put on them and stuff like that. We've had those before. I don't currently... That's not currently on the pair I'm wearing at the moment. But, um, yeah, there's so there's some optional... Uh, uh, 
add-ons that you can have for that headset. You know, I thought I was going to like the headset that I bought from um, Apple, the uh, uh, AirPod uh, Pro Max. Oh, yeah. And um, Because one of the things that drives me crazy, uh, one of the times I use my AirPods the most is when I'm in an airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I like the fact that it's not bulky or anything. I can just stick the buds in and, you know, they connect fairly easily to my phone and all that. But I have to tell you, um, I don't like the fact that the buds are always falling out of my ears. And that's a tricky thing when you're on an airplane. The last thing you want is for it to fall down uh, under the seat and roll, you know, like 18 rows back, you know, as the plane is, you know, uh, uh, ascending. And yeah. so, you know, I probably would be okay with it if on the descent, if they just roll right back to me by the end of the flight, but it doesn't work out that way. So, um, yeah, so I bought these things, which are uh, like, you know, regular headphones, you know, over the top. Over the ear, yeah. And, and yeah. it's nice that they actually can be plug- plugged into um, a regular headset socket so you can, you know, use it on a regular headphone jack. They do have mm-hmm. a cable for that. Um, however, and the quality of them is really good, but they're just not comfortable in the same way that my Sony's are. And, you know, when you're wearing a headset for an hour or more, it better be really comfortable. Yeah. So. I mean, I feel like the travelers, most of the people who are regular travelers, they, they like the Boses, even though the sound quality maybe isn't the best, but they've got that down pat. Yeah. yeah. I used to have a couple of pairs of those too. Stay with us. We're going to head to the bar right now where <laughs> Richie Roy is going to put his, well, I guess his bartender's uh, apron on and get ready <laughs> to uh, make up his cocktails and mocktails for you as we wrap up this edition of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack. 760-677-0111 if you want to jump into the conversation in our final segment. Thanks for being here this week. Homo mixologist Richie Roy and his ice cube handler Johnny Mac present the latest lessons from the Gay BC Happy Hour School of Mixology. As they say at Gay BC, bottoms up <laughs> studio ready bottoms up yes your ice cube sir yes oh my god my poor ice cube situation is that ice cube maker still on the fritz i need to i need to fix it i don't i need to pull it out and try to make it work it's it's a disaster but you know that's for another topic <laughs> you should get a repair so, boy for it named fritz yeah so this week, um, so this week's beverages are um, the the gist of it is bitter. Or, uh, it's a bitter taste. So um, I recently went with a good friend of mine to a bar um, in I guess it was in Chelsea. Um, it, the bar was called Jungle Bird, and the drink was called the Jungle Bird, which is a classic kind of um not classic from like the olden days but kind of a second or third wave tiki drink um 
what and the bar sp- was kind of tiki themed. What do you suppose Jungle Bird sounds like when it clucks or whatever it does? I mean, I think given given the sa- given the ingredients of this drink, it would be a little a little bit kind of full throated. Uh, okay, you know, so because so the, this drink is uh, it's blackstrap rum, Campari, pineapple juice, lime juice. Demerara syrup, which is basically kind of a simple syrup made with demerara sugar, which is a little bit more like a brown sugar type of thing, um, and served with the garnish of a pineapple wedge. And um, what's really nice about it is, you know, the Campari is quite bitter. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, Campari is like an sort of an aperitif. It's an Italian uh, liqueur that is sort of bitter orange flavored with, you know, sort of other kind of, kind of botanical kind of vibes, but it's a bitter, bitter orange is kind of the general flavor of it. Um, and so what you have is the sweetness of the pineapple juice, the sweetness uh, and the the heat of the rum with the, the bitterness of the Campari. So it's actually quite complex and quite delicious. Um, and, you know, for a tiki drink, it's, um, it's really, uh, it's not super sweet. It's not cloying. It's actually really complicated and delicious. Would you um, drink it out of a hollowed out pineapple? You could. I mean, I think, you know, it was served in a lowball glass. Uh, or wait, wait, actually, yeah, that was in a lowball glass. But yeah, um, you could have it in a fun glass if you wanted to, for sure. Um but it was really, it was really quite tasty, and so I, and so it got me thinking about Campari because I love Campari, um, and so I think the Jungle Bird is kind of my alcoholic drink of the week because, you know, it's, it's not too summery, you know, even though it's pineapple juice because it has the bitter component. I feel like you could drink it any time of the year, and we're kind of going through right now, kind of a. New York does this the fake sum the fake second or third summer because it's really warm. It's been really kind of warm. So, um, but I feel like this drink could actually be could be had in you know in the fall as well. Hmm. But then for the non-alcoholic drink, I got to think about Campari and actually, there's a really delicious thing. Um, it's it's called San Bitter S A N B I T T E R. And it's, I think it's made by Pellegrino. Um, it but sounds it's bitter. These, what was that? I said it sounds bitter. Yeah. So it's made by Pellegrino, but it's these little tiny, little tiny bottles, like tiny, tiny, like maybe four inch tall bottles um, with a bright red liquid inside. And what it is, is it's basically a non-alcoholic bitters. Um, it tastes just like Campari. Uh, like a bitter orange kind of taste and it, but it's carbonated and it's non-alcoholic and sand bitters, which you can, you can order them on Amazon. I believe, um, I think that's where I've gotten them before are a really fun, non-alcoholic drink. Um, they taste complicated. They taste boozy. They're fun. They're fun on their own. They're fun with orange juice or pineapple juice. They're fun in a lot of different ways, and the bottles are really cute too. And um, you know, f- for those of for those who are trying not to partake, um, sand bitters really gives you that feeling of having a drink, um, really quite well. And so I I think sand bitters 
uh, is my non-alcoholic choice of the week because it kind of factors in. It, it just tastes like Campari, but it doesn't have booze. And um, yeah, so I think I think that's kind of the the vibe I've been going for this week with the drinks. I came to the show this afternoon with uh, a little bit of alcohol in my breath. Uh oh! <laughs> yeah, we were producing a big conversations little bar today. Uh, so we were at Skip Page's little bar in Palm Desert, California, and uh, they have a drink now on the menu that looks an awful lot like the logo of that show. And mm. so, wait, like uh, a blue, like a blue martini? It's a it's a blueberry martini. <laughs> and uh and so I said I'll have myself uh I'll have myself a big conversation and the girl looked at me like what? <laughs> I said, you know, the blue martini thing. I said, you guys need to change the name of that to a big conversation. And uh and it it was pretty tasty. I've had it, I've had it once before and it's been several weeks ago now, but uh, I had it again, and it was it was a nice afternoon beverage. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and so you know, and another thing that um that I think you know going in the tiki vibe too is I think it if you like. If you like tiki drinks, um, try to find a tiki bar near you. Because you know, we here. used to have one that was that. We have one here. Should we go while you're here? We should, because one of the things that I really like about tiki bars, and actually some other places too, because I remember in Cambridge there's a place called the Hong Kong that had these scorpion bowls. But what I love is I love with some tiki situations and and other places these convivial drinks where two or three people share what's essentially a punch bowl full of booze. <laughs> and it's it's a very fun situation to be involved in. And recently I went with a friend uh actually the same friend who I went with to the um to the uh Jungle Bird, we went to an Indian restaurant and they had a convivial a drink that a punch that you could only order for two. And so we got that and it was really fun and very tasty. Um, so yeah, I also recommend um, trying to find a local tiki bar and getting a, getting a punch bowl. It's actually really fun. A friend of ours who lives with us, uh, uh, he apparently likes this one tiki bar. I've driven by it a million times over the years uh, and it's changed hands in the past, but uh, I've never been in it, so we'll have to go there and check it out. They have a whole, um, you know, like tiki uh, music scene there and all that too. Oh, and nice! It's all part of the whole theme here in the Coachella Valley of all that uh, mid-century modern stuff and all that. You know, so oh, a hundred percent. It's kind of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I love. I mean, I I love that. Like, I remember one of one of my favorite places is. Um, Oh, what is it called now? It's in the it's in the basement of the Fairmont in San Francisco, the Tonga Room, mm-hmm. um, which is like I think it's been around since like the 30s or 40s, and it is this kind of completely retro. I mean, not retro because it's been there since then, but this kind of like time capsule place where they have a they have a pool in the middle of the bar that has um, a band on a raft, a floating raft that floats out and plays music on the middle of a pool. And then every 30 minutes, there's a fake rain shower in the bar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, and they have the Mai Tais and the Singapore slings and all that stuff. Sounds I just, I love Trader that. Trader Vicks, like. Trader Vicks, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. whole vibe. Well, that's fun. 
We'll have. I'll definitely look forward to our going and doing that. Uh, we're going to have a program that will be coming your way one week from tonight, if you're listening to yeah. us live, that will actually be the first show that we have done looking across the table. Is it next week or is it the week after? No, it's next week. It is it's next, next week. week. Yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, we've been talking about maybe doing it poolside. So um, we will have a number of um, people who've been correspondents and guest hosts on this program who will be here uh, on that occasion. And we're going to look forward to that. Uh, I think we're even talking about maybe doing an extended show by an hour. I'm not sure if that's in the cards still or not, but we've talked about maybe doing a three-hour edition when we are all gathered here together for the occasion of uh, Palm Springs 2023 Pride. So that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be kind of like, um, you know, CNN's um, New Year's Eve, you know, when that year when Don Lemon got his ear pierced on live television. Um, it's going to be like that. But um, are you the, giving uh, a PA this year? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So yeah, next week is going to be a very special radio. episode. What was that? I said entertainment made for radio or exactly. audio. Exactly. Yeah. No, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, for sure. I am looking forward to seeing you on our soil. And uh, until then, uh, we will wish everybody a very happy, safe, sane week. Um, limit your time online reading the bad news, but be aware of what's going on in your world and get involved. And please try to do everything you can to influence people who you mean something to in their lives to understand that these choices we're going to be making are going to be really life and death choices a year from now and that you need their help to help getting other people in line with what the truth is not all the misinformation out there until we get together again may your shadow fall in pleasant places have a great night <laughs>